Welcome to the New Life Digging Deeper podcast, where we take Sunday sermons a step further, giving you the opportunity to gain greater understanding and ultimately grow your relationship with Jesus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast. We're so excited that you joined us today. Um, If this is your first time, hey, Welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, My name is Cody Gesser. I'm the worship pastor here. I'm joined by Jake Herring. He's an elder. He's also known in my phone as Jake Elder. (laughs) (laughs) It's an honor. Isn't it? It is. I was thinking about that when I was talking, uh, just going through material, and that's really embarrassing. You know, if you have like, um, I'll put like somebody church. And it's like, it's, there's still that person in my phone after like a year and you're like good friends with them. (laughs) That's okay. It's, it's um, you know you're always waiting for that moment where they're in your car and it pops up on the screen. Uh, as long as you can avoid that, I think you're, you're far you'll, enough you'll in. Be, you're like, oh, yeah. First name's important. Last name will get there at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Jake is an elder here at our church. He's been um, giving some messages here recently for us, and we just really appreciate you, man. And um, what I thought we could do right now is a lot of people don't know all the backstories of our elders. So if you don't mind sure. telling us in about like two minutes or so, just kind of um, where you grew up, um, how you became to know Christ and maybe just a little bit of some more info would be awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And first of all, thanks for having me. It's a, it's an honor. This is my first time on the podcast. Um, so I, I'm excited to, to be able to dig deeper. Um, so I grew up in central Illinois. Um, uh, I, I went to church a lot as a kid. Um, I wouldn't say I was a, a church kid. Um, but, um, to be honest, I was uh, probably pretty full of fear as a kid, especially as an adolescent, and I associated church with just hearing something specifically, something about the end times um, that, that would terrify me. And every time yeah. I went to church, I yeah. just was terrified, and that that was my experience as again as a as a kid and as a uh, as a young adult. Um, so I I did everything I could to avoid church and um, ran completely the opposite way. Okay. Um, so all through high school, I would say that I, you know, I wasn't by the world standards a bad kid, but definitely wasn't living for Jesus, and um, would pursue um, just anything I could to um, a just doing what normal high school kids would do for fun, which isn't always um, righteous in the eyes of God. I'll put it that way. Uh, but at the same time, it helped me to just um, um, not think about. Uh, the end times or eternity and all those things mm-hmm. that all those th- those heavy deep thoughts that I didn't understand well and didn't have a biblical. So you uh, enjoyed the Left Behind series. I well, <laughs> would say that, that that may have been or something like it. Uh, probably uh, presented to me when I was too young and and uh, yep. with a lack of wisdom on the on on some some good intending uh, parents, youth pastors. Uh, so. my, yeah, my parents they volunteered as youth for a while in a smaller church because that's just kind of what happens sometimes. So they volunteered, and I remember because we that we had a lot of kids, um, we would tag along, and I remember them watching Left Behind. I'm just sitting there in the door looking through the window watching it just like totally traumatizing myself at like six every time they left the house I was like looking around outside yeah. like is something happening yeah I almost want to go back and watch it again just to realize yeah, where what you know um, but at the same time I don't want to be re-traumatized I don't think that could sure. happen now but um so anyway uh but there was a little bit of that truth in me, even though there was no surrender. Sure, um, there was a belief in Jesus, and at least a, even if it wasn't Jesus, a belief in you know a God, the God of the Bible, um, 
and my mom, I, my, my mom is awesome and did a very, very good job. And I wish if I could go back in time, um, I could have simply said to her at the age of 13 or 14, hey, this is what I've heard at church and it scares me. And every time I sure. go, sure. I'm terrified and I don't want to go and I cannot wait to get out of there. And I you know, say I have to go to the restroom so I don't have to hear some fire Helen Brimstone <laughs> sermon. Um, and anyway, uh, I, I wish I had just talked with someone about that because it, it could have been a lot easier. Uh, but having said that, the, the, the idea that I've got to get this right, uh, meaning get right with Jesus and, and, and actually give my life to him, knowing that I wasn't living for him, um, came to a head when I was 19. And uh, I gave my life to Jesus. I went um, to church and was the classic case of like the guy who raises his hand for the altar call. And I was the only one in the entire church service, which was just a wonderful experience. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, gave my life to Jesus uh, when I was 19. Um, got discipled. I was, in, I was in college and I got discipled. Um, and, and a few years later, um, what I would say, filled with the Holy Spirit and... Um, have just, I guess, been following Jesus since. So now I'm 40, so it's been um, about 21 years. So um, what a ride it's been. It hasn't been easier necessarily than it was before, but yeah. um, but one really quick comparison. There's so many things you could compare to how I was, to how I am after having um, chosen to follow Jesus and actually not just believe in him, but surrender my life to him um, and actually make a step towards him. Um, but I used to, you know, I used to wake up in the morning and just be just full of fear. And until I got enough of the world and enough of the day packed in me to distract me, that's how I would go. And um, that slowly over time went away. Wow. So I feel like that's one thing I can see in my life. It sounds like a simple thing, but it's very notable to me that um, just that that persistent fear yeah. is gone. And there's moments of that where that returns. And sure. I, so I don't want to sugarcoat that because. If there are believers out there that, that experience that, it doesn't mean that you're wrong or broken. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, so it still it still comes back from time to time, but it's not like it was. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, um, that's how I that's how I yeah, came. To that's the awesome. Yeah. I think that God has such a process, and it takes time. And I think a lot of times people think it is just instantaneous, sure. but in my life's sure. been the exact same way. It's just like slowly peeling these layers of right. things away. Yeah. Um, so I can be closer in relationship with him. Yeah, and I've heard of you know people getting saved and they have this honeymoon period where it's just awesome. Sure. <laughs> I don't think that was my experience. So, and maybe it's not for a lot of us, yeah. and that's okay. But anyway, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, I appreciate that, and we appreciate you here at New Life. Just everything you do, and appreciate the elders. Um, it's just really awesome having you a part of that team. We're in a series right now called Parables, and Jake gave the first message, and he did the parable of the loss, and you kind of combined the three there with the, um, sorry, the uh, lost lamb, the lost coin, and then the prodigal son. You got it. Yeah, there we go. Um, you like maps. And if you have heard Jake speak, he's really into geography and different things like that. And um, yeah, so you blessed us again this weekend with another map and gave us some more pictures. But, you know, as you talked about it, I always kind of give you crap about the maps, you know, but... <laughs> Towards the end, you said something. You just said, you know, this this separates like folklore and fairy tale from like these are real things and real events. Right. So right. I thought maybe you could expand upon what maps and seeing things. And you've done some travel as well for sure. work. And yeah, we'd love to yeah. hear about that. So um, a little bit deeper into 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 maps. Um, so 
you know, it, we spend a lot of time in front of computers, especially after the pandemic. You know, we're on Microsoft Teams meetings a lot. Um, so I'll often, though I may be engaged, I, I look at Google Maps a lot. And I, I love exploring. Uh, I also love, this is a bit irrelevant, but I love exploring new bodies of water. And I find myself, this is such a dorky thing to say, but I find myself <laughs> memorizing the names of lakes and large bodies of water all over the globe. <laughs> Who does that? Um, uh, but I do. So I don't know anyone else. <laughs> I don't know why I would do such a thing, but I do. And I, I constantly um, am looking at maps, and specifically like Google Maps uh, and satellite images of, of all kinds of stuff. So um, anyway, uh, somewhere along the way, I would say, I'd probably say, especially within the last two years, as I'm reading the scripture, if there's a reference to a place, I try and find it. Some of those places, we do know where they were, or they're even still named. Mm -hmm. uh, the, they go by the same name they did in the text, um, like Jericho, for example, is is still in its spot. Or there's still a city there called Jericho, and, and, and from what I've read, it's the oldest city known. So places like that are fun for me to investigate and mm -hmm. to bring into reality, um, as the Scripture sometimes does seem, to me anyway, and maybe there's others like me. It's, it, it can seem a bit abstract and, and distant sometimes, or, or or so long ago that things must have been different, right? Sure, sure. There's no way that it would have looked, you know, it was the more magical read, or yeah. something. Correct. So when I when I when I look at maps and study maps, a it's neat to just gain that knowledge, but also mm -hmm. it makes it does make it more real to me. Yeah. So you don't, and I don't need. You shouldn't need the maps and need to know exactly sure. where it happened to make it real, but. Um, the, Maybe it's the human side of me, but A, it's fun, and B, it's really fun to gain that. It's also good to gain that knowledge. So. Yeah, and it gives you different context. I know Mark Correct. Hootman was just in Israel, and he was just talking about just different spaces, right. how like, oh, wait, that means something totally different, it seeing it Correct. in person um, than just reading it. It gives it a total different depth. So we appreciate that, and we look forward to that in the future. Yeah. I, want, I want you to know that. Keep doing it, huh? <laughs> Keep doing it. Um, so yeah, you did, um, the parable of the loss here and I've heard sermons on the prodigal son multiple, multiple times, but I like that you gave each, um, parable like their own thing. It wasn't sure. kind of just like, Oh, let's get through the first two so we can get to the last one that people are mostly used to hearing. Um, how did you guys kind of arrive at that? Because unfortunately I was on vacation last week yeah. I didn't get to be in preaching team and hear kind of how that all came to be. Sure. So, um, you know, we, we knew that we were going to do the parables, and I had actually picked a different parable, but I wasn't settled on it. And then uh, Kirk Bodie uh, in, in preaching team actually suggested maybe Luke 15 would be a good lead-in. Um, so I never really considered even breaking them out separately. I think that the, okay. the third parable, meaning the parable of the prodigal son and the elder brother, and then when I say it could be three or four parables in Luke, what I mean is you could split that third one maybe into four as the elder brother could be the fourth parable. Oh, sure. Um, so, but it doesn't matter. When the text was originally written, it wasn't written with chapters probably anyway. Uh, so that's something we've assigned to it. So it does, it does not matter uh, if you want to consider it three or four. But um, I guess I just set out in the beginning that I was going to preach Luke 15. And as I went on, I, you know, I, you start researching it more in depth when you find out what set of scripture you're going to be preaching on. Uh, so as I was researching it more and deeper, I realized that um, most people that have that are have done this well have done this sermon well on meaning Luke 15. They've preached it all together, and I think that people who do it 
excellently, we're tying them all together and showing why they all rely on each other. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I loved that. And that was something new to me. That was a a new perspective as I was preparing for this sermon is, yes, they all tie together. And there's there's a reason why Jesus uses three different analogies, um, because he's trying to trying to capture a more complex and a deeper message about his heart. So that's why we did all three of them together, because okay. because they kind of rely on, on one yeah. another. So. Yeah. Um, I was on vacation, and when you talked about the lost coin, it reminded me, I lost so many things on vacation. <laughs> and it made me recognize, like, you lose things when you're in an unfamiliar place. Yeah, good. because once you get out of routine, it's hey, like that this could, is where that my could preach. Goes. I could have used that. I know that's, it's too bad I was on vacation. Yeah, well, well, I had to experience you know, that's it. What, that's the suffering the rest of us go through when you're not here. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. But it did kind of just make me think. You did. You said like sometimes when you find that thing, you just look at it. And you're like, <laughs> there yeah, it is. There it is. That moment of relief, or almost is that? Am I really seeing what I see? Is yeah. That really. It was so embarrassing because I was with Kayla's dad so my father-in-law and like i'm like he probably thinks i'm such a loser <laughs> like i'm like anyone see my keys anyone see my wallet where's my phone because like, i just keep putting stuff in weird places yeah. and when you get out of routine you're just more likely to get lost and um yeah so great sermon man really appreciate it this is your third sermon here right how are you liking it um i like it a lot um it, it, it's it, for me, I don't know if it's like this for everybody. For for me, and I also don't know if this will wear off over time as yeah, I become more sure. as I become more used to it. But it's 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 kind of exhilarating in the same sense of, um, I uh, it, it's almost like you're doing something adventurous. Hmm. You know, I would equate it to maybe um, like you're you're gonna either rock climb or maybe skydive or something like that. And I know that sounds strange, but when you consider the human reaction or the, the reaction in the flesh to being in front of large groups of people, it's it can be very, very mm-hmm. frightening to a lot of people. And, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, but we probably have all at least heard hearsay of the number one f- fear yeah, yeah, yeah. being public speaking or at a very, you know, very close to the top of the list. So I wouldn't say that I, I, I enjoy it and I've done it enough for work, meaning public speaking, that um, I enjoy it. But there is, there is a bit of nervousness that goes into it beforehand. But... Um, you kind of get done and you feel um, like you just got off of a bull or something. Like it was mm-hmm. this exhilarating, bumpy, wild ride. Um, but God gets you through it every time. And I think that um, leading up to this, leading up to the sermons, I, I, to be transparent and vulnerable, I, you, you know, you want to do a good job, and um, and that's okay, uh, or I should say that's good. But sometimes the, the, there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit within us that um, leading up to a sermon, you want to do a good job, but I'll start thinking things like, um, thoughts will creep in, like you want people to say, well, that was the best sermon I've ever heard, you know, sure. and then maybe that's a bit extreme, but there's that part of you, so you're trying to squash that out yep. so that you can just, just you know, say what the Holy Spirit yeah, wants you to say and follow him. Um, but I will say that God has so honored my request, even if I feel that way and I'm struggling to push that flesh out. And you're thinking about, um, my goodness, this outfit doesn't, is not very flattering on me and I'm going to be in front of, you know, 200 or more people. Um, you got to somehow let that go, but God has honored me all three times. And once I get up there, I, I feel like, um, I loosen up. I I have a lot of fun in the actual Mm -hmm. sermon. Um, and it's, it's really great. And a lot of, I'll share this also, you know, we, we, 
we preach two messages on Sunday, which uh, some of the greater congregation may not be aware of, but we preach the the volunteer service mm-hmm. prior to um, the general service. And so you go through the volunteer service and you kind of work out a little bit of your jitters and get some of the kinks out of your sermon. But also, I feel like through that time and through the, the even, you know, I you probably noticed I sat in while you guys were doing a little bit of worship practice. If you just, I just kind of sit and soak in the worship. So by the time you're ready to speak to the general congregation, you've been through almost three worship sets and you've you've preached it once, and I do a lot of praying in between. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that others that speak, and you probably as a worship leader are doing the same thing. You know, you have prayed. I at that point, I have prayed at that point uh, with the volunteers, and so I feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of calms you down and allows you to just have fun. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I love the most is when I, you know, when there's there's a moment where you realize you start going. You know, the, the intro video ends and the lights come on and you start going <laughs> and you realize, I'm going to be just fine. Yeah. And it's not always a super conscious thought, but that's how it goes for me anyway. I, I all three times, once I start going, it's, but I, it, it ends up just being fun. But I think that a lot of it is um, just God honoring how much we pray and how much we ask yeah. Him for help and rely yeah. on Him leading up to it. So. I heard at the conference that we, me and Andrew went to a couple years ago. Um, a lot of times the enemy is really doing a lot of that stuff and it's sure. really just trying to silence you and trying to say like, oh, you're doing this for the wrong reasons. Right. And, the, you know, because it doesn't want you to say right. what God's working on in your heart. Right. So even for me, a similar practice, I usually try to get there before everyone, play just acoustic by myself, sing through a few choruses, and it just kind of yeah. sets like my posture yeah. and like my humbleness and puts me in a good place. And yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I, and and I the other thing that I do is I tell people about it. You know, leading up to this week, I wasn't able to because, uh, well, I guess he was here, but uh, I know the the previous sermon I did, I was I was out of town the week prior to the Sunday that I spoke, and I just called Brian and I just told him, hey, here's what here's what's holding me back right now, and I just tell somebody, you know, the power of that when you just yeah, reach out to it. a brother in yeah. the Lord or a sister in the Lord, and and just this is what I'm thinking about, and I don't want this interfering with. Um, what God's trying to tell me. Yeah. So, what yeah. is uh, something that you felt like, this is a question I like to ask people, is sure. you have these plans going into the sermon, you're like, oh, this is how it's going to look, and blah, 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 but there's something in that time where God's like, but what about this thing? Yeah. You know, what, did you have any of those moments with um, the sermon? Yeah, well, there was two things that happened that I didn't plan on. Um, I, I've said it, I think, in, in the previous sermon that I gave, um, and I said it during the volunteer service on Sunday, um, at the point where we talk about God taking us back no matter what we've done, and we, we learn that the, that the younger brother has gone as far and as deep and as stuck in an enslaved and, and as enslaved to sin as someone can really be. Um, this isn't my quote. Um, I, I heard this from a, a, a pastor named Mike Bickle, who I, I've listened to a lot over the years, um, but he said, basically, you can't produce something um, so large or so powerful that the the blood of Jesus can't redeem. Mm. It would be pride mm-hmm. to think that we could produce right. that. So <laughs> that came out, and I said it the good. way that I wanted to in the volunteer service. And then at the end of the general service, I realized after I got off stage, I didn't, I didn't say it. It didn't even come to my mind. So whether that could have just been me, but sometimes things just happen. And and I think that when you're preaching on on a subject and you're not strictly following your notes. Um, you're trying to do. You're also trying to do good public speaking. So you want to walk away and engage with people to help them, you know, connect with the message and connect with what God is trying to say. So in doing that, though, you can miss some stuff, and that's where you just trust God that mm-hmm. 
it, you know, I thought that was a great line and everybody needed to hear it, even though it's not my quote, it was a wonderful line, uh, but it didn't come out. And I just, and you sure. just have to let that go. Sure. So that was one, I wouldn't say negative, but one subtraction from the sermon that I wanted to be in there. Um, the other one was uh, when I was praying at the beginning, um, very, very quickly, um, I'll, I'll kind of tee this up. You know, we, we want to discern what the Holy Spirit is telling us, um, but that's also a very wide subject matter, and um, we want to be very mature in how we do that. Um, so whether it's having a word for somebody or, or sensing something from the Holy Spirit, we want to just be very mature in how we approach those situations, especially from the pulpit. Um, but as I was praying, I just got a very clear picture in my mind of, you know, I was about to pray that we would really hear what God was wanting to say and understand His heart. And I was praying that, and I just got a quick image of us just putting our thumb on God's wrist to feel his pulse, which would have been the beat of his heart. Um, and I just knew I don't have to make a big deal out of this and make it weird, but this is something I feel like he wants me to say. So I did. So that was a thing, that was a, a, a part of the sermon or part of the prayer that I hadn't planned on, hadn't even entered my mind, hadn't ever even thought of that hmm. before. Now, whether that was the Holy Spirit um, or whether it was just me. That's why I say we need maturity on that. I, I didn't tee that up by saying this is the undeniable word of <laughs> word of the Lord. So, um, but I do think it was the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, it was it's biblical and encouraging, yeah, and it yeah. was in line with There's what I know God wanted time. us to say. So I knew it wasn't dangerous. So I yeah. went I went ahead and I felt like the obedient thing to do was to to say it appropriately. So I did. So the Holy Spirit will give you. Well, you know, I've, I've learned that. Um, he'll calm you down and maybe even now give you additional things to say that you weren't planning on. And yeah. we just have to be mature and responsible with it, but, yeah. but be obedient also. And, and if we feel like he's, we're supposed to say it, let's say it. So. Right. If we're supposed to have a heart like God's, like working yeah. towards that, like we're just going to naturally start to feel those things sure. um, coming through as we channel that. So that's great, man. Um, so if you haven't heard Jake's message from this past week and go back, listen to it. If there's one thing that people could walk away from this message, what would that thing be? Sure. Um, I think that it is the overarching message. The more I, I, I studied Luke 15, headed into it, is that this is about God's radical, mm-hmm. unheard of, uh, impossible to understand love, pursuit, and enjoyment of us. And uh, so though the sermon is very much about um, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads to repentance, that is very true. But I think that the bigger message is still, this is how much God loves you, that he would ab- He just abandons even his own, you know, he'll, he'll show his raw emotion. He's so excited, and he'll throw a party when there maybe even shouldn't be one. He's so excited. Yeah. So um, I think that one of the things I was going to say that maybe didn't come out was, um, grace, any grace message that we're preaching needs to also be met with the understanding that this is not a license to sin, and it's not that we take our sin in any more lightly. It still, as we know from Luke 15, separates us from God. Um, but we are all flawed. Um, all of us have fallen short, and I doubt that I will make it uh, out of your office here through the time, through the rest of my life without sinning again. I'm sure I probably will. Um, we want to have this attitude that we don't want to sin, and we hate it when we're there. But when we find ourselves there, we need to just run back to God and don't punish ourselves and try and work this out on our own. Right. So 
I wanted to make that clear. It's not a license to sin, and that would be a false sense of or false understanding of the grace of God. Yeah. <clears throat> we didn't do this song, but reckless love has always been kind of people are like, oh, God's reckless. You can't say that and things. But man, like in my life, when things weren't always the best, I was just so confused why God cared so much about me. Yeah. And how much he would try to heal me from the inside out when I just didn't even care sometimes, you know, and just I would go into worship sets with, you know, whether I was attending or leading and just being like, man, I am a mess. And God would just like, work mm-hmm. through my heart and I was like, why do you still care? You know, like I think too, because we we try to see ourselves through the way we view ourselves and we think God views us that way and it's so much and different. He, yeah, he does not. So there again, I said there were several sermons I listened to and things I read leading up to this. And it you know, I, I had a very nice conversation with Brian that said, How do you you read something um bef- you know it, and it becomes just a part of your understanding. Yeah. So then it gets more difficult to cite your source. So I, I cited um, I th- uh, Tim, Tim Keller. Keller. Yeah, I cited Tim Keller because I listened to him. And there was, he's he he probably has the best Luke 15 sermon out on YouTube. And I, um, so, but uh, I, I did listen to that, and it was impossible not <laughs> yeah not to change. Yeah. It changed my 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 perspective of this in many ways. So. I did quote him, and there was there's a lot of other quotes that we pick up along the way that weren't originally mine. I mean, you could argue sure. very nothing that I'm saying here sure, is originally right, mine. Right, of course. So, um, but it it boy, I don't even remember where we were going with that, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We'll we'll matter. find our way. Good old Tim Keller. Yeah. So anyway, um, I think that the big idea. Okay. The, yeah. The the big idea meaning. Um, it's about God's heart towards us and the lost coin, which seems like the most insignificant of the three. Mm-hmm. That was a perspective I gained through Tim Keller. The coin, um, I don't know if he said it, but it made me realize that after watching the coin is, it shows the coin doesn't respond, react, doesn't show any grief, no remorse, no joy. It's just this inanimate object. This is all, the whole parable about the coin is simply about God's heart. It's not even about ours, not about our repentance or our, even our relief sure, when we yeah, even our relief when we are yeah. forgiven. It's just it's just about him. So the point of it is Jesus is, as you said, his reckless abandon, his 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 burning love, this love that burns with ferocity for us. And the ultimate proof of that would be um, a God, a king, a king of the universe that leaves behind heaven. Um, you know, now he's he's, you know, the he leaves behind heaven to come and live and be born in in a very humble way, and ultimately um, lays down his life, um, and not just dies, but dies in a, a brutal fashion, mm-hmm. brutal. Uh, and then obviously we know he defeats the grave, uh, and paving the way for us to also have victory over death in the grave, but. That's the ultimate when you when you look at that and you read what is he trying to say he does that his motivation for doing that isn't just well I created them and I guess I love them so I better find a way to bring them back no he with a burning passion could not stand the thought of heaven and eternity without us hmm. and even if it were just one of us because the sheep of the one of the ninety nine he would have done it for just Cody. He would have left. He would have done it. He he had to have you, 
had to have um, everybody, and that's why it grieves his heart, grieves his heart deeply when um, when people reject him, and and even more so, ultimately reject them until after the end of their life. Um, I, I don't know, as a father, um, to thought the thought of being separated from one of your children um, for eternity would be a horrible thought. Um, and you could argue whether they were his children or not, but they were his creation. He deeply loves them and, and, and mourns. So um, his passion, his love, his enjoyment of us is what drives him to do what he does and do what he did. So, That's awesome. Well, thanks, Jake, for sharing. Appreciate you, man. And for those of you out there who have any questions about our church or just want to ask us anything, um, you can contact us at contact at newlifeonline.org. We'll catch you next time. Have a great week. Thank you.